DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're visiting with Utah wide receivers coach Guy Holiday. Kyle Winningham caught our attention. I don't know if you knew he was going to say it or not, but he caught our attention. He announced that Jalen Dixon is one of the premier deep threats in the entire country. What did you think when you heard that? Well, that puts a lot of pressure on me, right? So <laughs> he's okay. No, Jalen has uh, he has the ability to accelerate to a football. Like, um, I don't know that I've coached another one like him. I, I would put him in the elites of the guys that I've coached. He's fast, but when the ball is in the air, he has that extra gear, and that's what happens with deep ball players. They can find a way when the ball is in the air to accelerate even more, and he has that unique ability. So best in the country or elite in the country, Coach Witt, that's great. Um, Let's see what happens on game day. Also, Andy Ludwig said he thought that Jalen just wasn't a specialist, that he could be an every-down receiver. Well, he is an every-down receiver for for us right now. Um, You know, I think... um in the past, we kind of used him in different packages, and now he's uh, he's competing to be a starting wide receiver in everyday rotation, and he'll he'll play 50 percent of the snaps at least during the year. So, and it won't be just a run downfield. He, I mean, the run after the catch on slants, his run blocking has improved. He's tough, so he, yeah, he's an every down player. I mean, I I can't stand. I, I think situational players are highly overrated. I, I want players that can play the whole game. So sometimes the numbers lie a little bit. The numbers on him, he had 16 of his 32 catches last year in the last two games, the conference title game and the bowl game. Did those numbers really reflect how he improved across the season? Was he really getting to another level there right at the end? I think those numbers reflect, um, let's just say those numbers reflect people getting comfortable with him as a player, uh, would be fair to say. Uh, I think his improvement was great. Uh, and then we just um, we had to figure out that he was a weapon. I, I was fortunate enough to recruit him out of high school and had seen him and knew what he can he can do. I mean, but if you just look at him, the measurables at being five nine, 170 pounds, or depending on what day it is, 60, 65, you know, you kind of I don't know if he can do this, but. Uh, you can't define a person just on sheer looks. And, I mean, we should have more experience with that than anybody. I mean, Brick Covey looks like he's running for president of the United States at any time. <laughs> but he's a great football player. Uh, you say people got comfortable with him. And, in particular, that late-season flourish was with Jason Selley. And, obviously, they had a prior relationship before coming to Utah. Now, Tyler Huntley is back. How long does that take to develop a relationship between those two? I think watching this summer camp, that relationship is done. It's great. I, I think... Um, he had a practice where I think he had four balls over 60 yards, and, and that wasn't uh, from Jason Shelley. So I think that relationship, it took a minute to, to get that comfort level and that, that trust factor. But uh, I think it was more on our, our part from coaching. Tyler would throw the ball to whomever's open, and, uh, and, and J.D.'s earned the right. Utah wide receivers coach Guy Holiday visiting with us. So Dixon's got the speed and he's a deep threat. Does that open up everything else for him running across the middle, coming back to the football? I mean, does his speed keep guys on that on that back foot and uh, open up stuff for him? Sure it does because you're, as a DB, the one ball you don't want to give up is the one over the top. So that, that allows him to be a great intermediate pass route runner. It allows him to run comebacks, digs, even three-step slants. I mean, he can do all that. Uh, you just want him 
to get the ball in his hand. What he had to work on, to be quite frank, is ball security and securing the football. I mean, he had some some critical turnovers, and I, I don't know what the stat is, but I, I believe it's over 90% of all fumbles by receivers are recovered by the defense. So we had to secure that first. That was really important to us. Are you going to be blowing out candles for your 54th birthday, birthday I think it is, in Pasadena? I sure in hell hope so. That'd be a great day, right? This is birthday, January 1st. I think we all put that together, PK. I I am, uh, yeah, that's my plans. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be blowing out candles, but I'll be. uh, Eating cake. I'll have a toast. How about that? Diet Coke. (laughs) Because obviously that's what the expectations are. And you're a guy who's never shied away from any form of uh, any difficult task or any expectation, are you getting to that to to making sure your players are embracing that? Well, I I think the thing is, and I tell my players the expectations is is one of the greatest compliments you can have. Now it's up to you to live up to it. You know, Pasadena is a long ways away. You got to, let's take one step at a time. The expectation is uh, you want to go in and win your first game regardless of who it is. And it just happens to be um, down south in in their place where they're a tough opponent. And you know, let's let's get past that one first and and, and have some fun. And uh, we'll take one game at a time and let's end in the Rose Bowl. That'd be unbelievable for this whole program, for the city of Salt Lake, and uh, for the state of Utah. Have you got another receiver? Obviously, you mentioned Covey, and obviously we've talked to you about Dixon. Have you got another receiver, possibly a guy who just walked over right next to us here, who you can count on as, a, as another starter? And, and you want to be too deep at all of those, too. So who's emerging? I think Damari Simpkins has probably had one of the best camps I've been around. So he's doing well. Brian Thompson, um, I guess you see Samson Nakua. You can't help but see him. He's, his last three days have been really good. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, Terrell Perryman's had a good camp. Him and um, we got a great battle going on at, at a lot of positions. Uh, Solomon has come on the last three practices. Took him a minute to get started. Now that you're starting to get down the back stretch, you know, as people always say, the cream rises to the top. So, I mean, the evaluation continues day by day. We keep scoring my room, and uh, it's really interesting to see. And, and the guys are competitive. So either you turn it down or you turn it up. But yeah, if you turn it down, you won't play here. I can promise you that. It seems to me in your, my experience and being around you now for several years down BYU and up here, you're a deep thinker. You like to put things out there to get people to think. A lot of stuff's been going on in our country, particularly in your home city of Baltimore here in the last couple of years, and it hasn't been, a lot of it's been negative. Do you take the time to, when you interact with your players, to talk about things that are uh, important as far as the aspects of life? I, I think my players will tell you. I mean, I, we, we talk uh, a good portion about life because that's important to me that they um, that they are successful in life, more so than on the football field. I mean, I get paid to win games. I get that. But the most important part of it for me is, is um, helping young men become grown men and, and being good fathers, good husbands. And uh, we talk a lot about Baltimore. Obviously, I'm from there. My family's still there. And I, I don't have run from that I always say those uh, the humble beginnings made has made me who I am and uh, I tell them my, my players are going through problems that fans can't even imagine so every day we we talk about things and uh, because that's important and 
if the players aren't good off the field, they can't ever fulfill their potential on the field. And, and their frustrations, whether it's in a classroom, it could be maybe mom and dad's going through a divorce. Maybe mom is unemployed. You, you never know. And it's your job as a coach to reach those young men on that level. So that's, yeah, I, I spend time talking about it. And uh, I also spend time reflecting and talking to my family back home because that's important to me what they're going through. You know, some people might hear that and think, well, that's great, but what does it really have to do with football? And I think it'd be twofold. One, you kind of alluded to having your players in the right frame of mind, you know, based on what's going on in their personal life. But then the relationships you build over time as guys graduate and go into coaching or have relatives who are recruitable, it would seem like all of that stuff, not in any one moment for one kid, but over the decades, that that would matter. Well, all, all that matters. And um, I get have one of my former players from my first job come out here and uh, spend three days. He works for NASA and is a uh, part-time high an engineer for NASA, worked on a space shuttle and uh, part-time coach and now he's a father and he came out and spent four days out here and that, that means a lot to me. Raylan Singleton reached out to me and, and used me as a reference for a job after leaving. So those things to me means more than what the fan thinks. I know to the fan it's about wins and losses. I get it. I appreciate it. But man, if, it, if it's just about that it's time to go to the NFL I need to get out of college football what's going on in Baltimore um, I think it's a, a variety of things. You have a, um, you know, I was just talking to my cousin. It's something, uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, it's a, tr- a drug issue, a bad drug issue that's been there for years. A lot of people don't realize Baltimore's always had a heroin problem. It's never been a crack cocaine problem, and now I believe it's fentanyl. And uh, unfortunately, you got people who are out, um, you know, experimenting with drugs or doing drugs, and it turns you into a monster, a ghost. And, uh, Sometimes when, and I have my personal opinions where I, you know, when they separated high schools and it, it became that you didn't have the upper middle class, the middle class, and the poor going to high schools. If you're a poor kid, that's all you see, you know, now. And, and those kids don't have dreams and hopes anymore. Their, their best examples are the guy on the corner, uh, you know, dealing drugs, driving the Mercedes now, and they, they just don't value life anymore. And that's, that's unfortunate to see. Coach, we appreciate a few minutes on football and on all the other stuff about life, too. I really appreciate you guys. Don't wear blue shirts out here to the red <laughs> practice. <laughs> now, that was you, not me. That was me. I got no credit for my red shoes. My blue shirt took all the heat. There it is. Liz Abel would be so proud. She would have said something if she were there. And Guy Holiday said it for her. I thought about making you take it off and just have a bare torso the whole time. To the horror of everyone there. <laughs> okay, then we would have had a lot of people be able, be, be able to interview with no interference. And big, sloppy offensive lineman <laughs> looking at me going, Whoa, dude! <laughs> Never wear blue to the U. Come on. You're better than that, as Locke would say. Apparently I'm not. It's the only way he could win an argument against me. <laughs> You're better than that. Guy Holiday has a lot to say, man. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore uh, has been out there. It's a couple of things. And I like talking to him because he, if you give him a question, he'll give you a deep answer. He's a contemplative guy, a philosopher, for sure. Uh, so... It's two things. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for somebody, somebody's receivers there to step up. 
And then, you know, should these guys, these coaches, should they be teaching these guys other things beyond football? You know, it's funny because they are evaluated on wins and losses. But he's saying, you know, if that's all I'm doing, then I should be going to the NFL. And I think that's true. I think those guys have an obligation to try to mold these young men as best as they can. I mean, I think that's the best thing about sending your kid to be able to play. He's not going to make the NFL probably, but he can get an education that is paid for, whether you think it's free or not and you want to get into that silly debate, it's up to you. But you can walk out of there with a degree and zero dollars owned, which is very impressive. And you're in a group, and the leaders of those, gr- those groups should be teaching you, at least leading by example, the great things in life, the things that matter. And I think these college coaches should be held to incredible high standards because they're influencing young minds. And really even the pros, too, because uh, so many of them in basketball are coming in at 19 years of age. Yeah, but even in college, coming in in the early 20s, it's not coming out of college football or basketball, I guess, if you stay a couple more years. They're still young. And we still, Donovan Mitchell's been in the pros a couple of years now. We still think he's young. Yeah. And I think it's up to the leaders in the jazz coaching staff to set examples on how to live your life. Uh, Jerry Sloan always used to say, you know, you, when, how guys are playing, you never know what's going on in their life. And I've heard people say that about golf, of all things, that golf really reflects those guys on tour. Like, it's such a fine line. And if you got issues over here, whatever they are, it'll show up in how you play. Yes. And, and everyone's always going to have issues most times. I mean, very rarely people are problem free. I understand that. There's just a lot of these kids, and studies show they're not coming from two parent households, some of them. And so they need that male role model, and they can go. I mean, I look at some of these kids there, and you know, you're thinking, okay, man, this is just temporary. Where's this going? You know, you're going to have to go out in the business world. It doesn't feel temporary at the time. Then you get to where you and I and Guy and actually Yak, I think now Yak. None of those years. Yeah, you're way younger than us, but don't you look back now and go, man, those early 20s. Yeah, I'm in my 30s now. But at I, the time. If, it, was, it felt like it was yeah. going slow, but yeah, I'm a decade past that at this point. Yeah, and you know they get a little wild there, and they make some decisions that uh, could cause some issues down the line. 18 to 22-year-old, the old Chris Peterson. I would love to send my kid, if I was in that situation, to somebody like a Guy Holiday, Because I know he would look after him and try to keep him on the so-called straight and narrow. Try to keep him doing what's right, progressing towards an objective that's going to bring you happiness. You know, I if you're going to have a book on parenting and make mistakes, I authored it. There's just no doubt about it. I authored it. So now we've got this 14-year-old. And all the mistakes I made on the others, I'm trying not to make now. And so she says to me yesterday, uh, you know, going to start high school on Monday. It really counts now. I said, yeah, junior high is nice, but your ninth grade transcripts, they matter. She says, yeah, I know, man. 
and I really got to buckle down. I got to make sure I'm getting good grades right from the start because I got to go to college. If I want a good paying job, I just got to go to college. And it's something I have to do. And and I got to make sure I make the best of my time because my junior high years, man, they just flew by. And I know high school is going to fly by. And I'm thinking, where are these words coming from? <laughs> I was waiting. When you first started, I thought there was going to be a punchline because she's funny. You've told me stuff yeah. she said before. She said really funny stuff. No, I'm just standing there thinking, man, wow. The light's gone on. <laughs> I like oh, it. I hope it stays. Right. I hope it stays. You know, you never know uh, once they get in there and things go and times get tough and whatnot. I'm thinking, yeah, that. And I, for all the preaching I did with others, I don't do any here. And you say, hey, this is what you should do. And that's it. I, I limited everything to one or two minutes, not 500 minutes, and just on and on and on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk you into doing right. And it just blew up in my face big time. So here, I just try to back off as much as possible. And some of that stuff, I'm thinking, yeah, that's just awesome. And you'd like to think at this collegiate level that they're doing the same type of thing and taking advantage of these, these great opportunities. And when, when he tells me, Guy Holiday says Ray Singleton has come back to him, and talking to him, that's just awesome. All that mentoring worked. Yeah, because Singleton yeah. isn't going to play in the NFL. All that mentoring paid off. It's it's very important, very important for those guys to set the example, even though it's funny because they you could set the greatest example possible, but if you don't win enough games, like Croton. I always thought Croton was an outstanding father from my observation. I wasn't in his home, but I remember it was a bitter, bitter, bitter loss. I think it was to Vegas. And... His daughter's waiting outside the interview room. He's like, she's probably 12 years old. And he goes up to her, and I see this whole thing. He's just as tender and as loving as can be. But he didn't win enough games. So he's out the door. So it's a that's, it's an interesting situation those college guys find themselves that's in. That's why, you know, guy said in the middle of the interview, you know, this is the part of the job that's great, and yet I know I got to win, and I know what the fans think, and I know why it is the way it is. Yeah. Funny. Aaron Roderick. Talking with PK, we're talking Cougar football next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Week two of the preseason began with four games. Kyler Murray, the number one pick in the draft, three of eight for 12 yards. Really struggled as Arizona lost to Oakland 33-26. Former BYU star Bronson Kafusi, three tackles, broke up a couple passes, and had a sack as the Jets beat the Falcons 22-10. Former Washington State star Gardner Minshew threw for 202 yards. Jacksonville lost to Philadelphia 24-10. He's battling for the backup job there. Tonight, three more games, Bills, Panthers, Bears, Giants, Dolphins, and Buccaneers. USC Athletic Director Lynn Swan says... For USC, the expectation is we're going to win the Pac-12 championship. Set at Thursday's ribbon ceremony for the recent renovations at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Major League Baseball, Bryce Harper hit a walk-off Grand Slam homer as the Phillies beat the Cubs 7-5. Bees lose to El Paso 13-2. Same two teams play tonight, 7 o'clock. Get your tickets at slbs.com and listen to the game on the Zone Sports Network. Top of the Wire brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car to curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. The Big Show. 
good friend Josh Parcell. Give us your thoughts on the Utes. A lot of folks around here very optimistic about their chances this year. I think in a pretty subpar division, Utah has the best chance to come out. They should go in as the favorite. They have, I think, more stability right now than just about any other team in that division. The only other team that I see right now in the Pac-12 South that matches them from a talent standpoint is USC. The talent really hasn't gotten it done at USC in quite a while. So I've got Utah as the favorite to win that division, and Phil Steele picking them as his number one sleeper team put a lot of attention on the Utes. Now they've got to live up to it. If you've missed any of the big show, go to 1280thezone.com. This is the big show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the energy and excitement at Vivint Smart Home Arena. There's a hiring event coming up to fill a variety of part-time positions for arena events, including jazz games and concerts. The hiring event will take place August 22nd to the 24th at the Zions Bank Basketball Campus in Salt Lake City. Apply prior to the hiring event at lhm.com careers under the Vivint Smart Home Arena section. Walk-ins will also be welcome during the event. Apply today. All right, PK, you talked to A-Rod at BYU practice. I did. What did he have to say to you? Well, I think it's an important thing, too. Much like Utah, they're looking for some playmakers to emerge. You know, they, The difference being they have a proven commodity in Zach Moss. The Cougars do not have a proven commodity at their running back. They're hopeful, but they do not have. Uh, Moss is a solid player without question, and he's solid in everything he does. His nickname ought to be Solid. Solid in his life. He's solid in his game. He graduated college. He's going to. So everything that he has is solid. But they need some playmakers. They got a quarterback who's tantalizing. We keep referring back to October. Okay, October was great, but October is not a season. The stretch of a few games. It's the same thing with Zach Wilson. He showed some stuff at the end of last season, but it's not a season. The great ones do it for a season. Right? They have consistency. You know what you're getting from them every day. I get it. Tyler looked good in October, but that's not to say he would have been awesome in November. You don't know that. How would he have looked against Washington? Yeah. I mean, you hate it when I bring up the schedule, but the teams he beat up weren't as good as the teams they lost to earlier. I mean, he was out there when they lost to Washington, Washington State, and they didn't put up those numbers. And they crushed it against UCLA, and they crushed it against Arizona, and those teams aren't as good. Not at all. So it was the schedule. And we know BYU, you know, don't throw a true freshman into the deep end of the pool. So he started the second half of the season for a reason. And yeah. even though there were some good times, there were also some bad times in the second half of the season. Well, that's there were normal times. Yeah. Because they're freshmen. Right. And now he's a sophomore. And, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about that injury, too, because if he takes a hit, and he's going to take a hit, how's it going to play out? Because that remains yeah. to be seen. He hasn't taken a hit in months, and he's going to take a hit. So we hit all that type of stuff. Aaron, a lot has been made on Wilson and his throwing and his shoulder and all that stuff. Uh, what was your assessment of him in Saturday's scrimmage? Uh, very efficient. He played well. Um, his only incompletions were a couple of throwaways and uh, – uh, uh, couple drop balls but he played played very sharp so you expect him not just physically but mentally to be ready to go by the time the season starts yeah i expect him to be ready i mean got to be we're playing against one of the best defenses in the country and and you know they're they're great so we got to be ready 
So I know some of his high school people, and maybe a little bit off the record, they would they, they would throw the word around cocky, and not necessarily in a negative way, but they would say, you know, confidence, cocky. Sometimes there's a fine line there. Uh, does that? Do you have a problem calling somebody even borderline cocky? Um, I mean, I, I could see how maybe some people might think that, but. He's to me. He's anything but that because I I just watch him every day, doing everything he can to become a better player. He's so receptive to coaching. He's constantly trying to become a better player. All, very critical of himself. Um, but I do think he carries himself with a lot of confidence because um, he's a good player and he knows he knows what he's doing out there. And uh, we talk in, in our in our QB room. Peyton Manning said once that. Uh, um, you know, pressure is when you don't know what the heck you're doing out there. Mm-hmm. And and Zach carries himself a lot of confidence because he knows what we're doing. He's got he's he's got good presence and he understands what we're trying to get done. And so, if people think that, then that's okay. So, is that half the battle? Knowing what you're doing? Yeah, man. I mean, it's that's a huge part of it. Um, you got to know what you're doing, and then obviously you got to have some ability too. And he's 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 a good athlete and he's a good thrower and fat, he has a quick release and. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of positives, but he's he is coming off of a serious injury, and uh, he's not going to catch anybody off guard this year. You know, right. they've got six seven games of film on him now, and and uh, so we're you know he, I know he he knows that these teams we're playing are going to be gunning for him, and they're gonna they're gonna have a plan to try to stop him. So we got to be ready. Do you have any trepidation? Not when, uh, if, but when he gets hit. Sure. I mean, you know, that whatever, whenever he gets hit in that game, will be the first time he's been hit right. at all. <laughs> um, but you know, he's he's healed and he's ready to go, and, and uh, we're not going to play scared. We're going to play. We're going to play the way we play. How much more improved is his knowledge of the offense versus the end of last year in the bowl to now? Um, you know. His knowledge of the offense in the bowl was really good. Um, we're just, we've just, we're a little more advanced this year, and it's not so much about him as it is the other players around him. You know, last year, the other ten guys weren't ready, always ready for us to be more complicated than we were. Uh, this year, year two, everybody speaks the same language now. Everybody knows all the details. And so we've been able to um, just sort of take things to another level. I think um, some of our some of, the, some of the concepts we run and stuff now, we can do them a few different ways and we can add wrinkles to the offense in a way that we weren't ready to do a year ago. So that would be more sophistication then? I would say a little bit more sophistication. I mean, we're still an execution-based team and, you know, we don't have a million plays, but the details of the plays now this year and the understanding of little adjustments that you make to different defenses or, or different situations. Uh, I think everybody's just better this year than they were a year ago. What does that mean in terms of run pass distribution? Uh, well, we're, we, we always want to be a balanced team. So, um, you know, you can achieve balance a lot of different ways. And, you know, sometimes it might be 50-50 run pass. Sometimes it might be uh, lopsided one way or the other. It's just do whatever it takes to win the game. But I think, you know, in the end of the season, we should be a team that uh, is, is fairly balanced. So when you say execution-based, how explosive can it be? <laughs> um, well, I don't want to pop off about 
us being more explosive or not, whatever. I mean, look, BYU's never been known for just, you know, for, you know, first-round draft pick skill players or anything like that. But our big plays are going to come from perfect execution. You know, when we when we have 11 guys doing their job just right and the other team busts the coverage or somebody gets open because – you know, all the guys in the route got the guy open by doing their job. Mm-hmm. The quarterback throws the ball on time. That's where we get our explosive plays. Okay. Um, I do believe that all of our players that played last year have all improved. We're, they, to a man, every single one of them is a, is a better version than the, of themselves than they were a year ago. And we've added some good players, too, so that's going to help. So I'm at, I do think there's a little more firepower. But, you know, we're never going to be the team that's just throwing, you know, just throwing bombs to some first-round draft pick guy. We're, we're a team that's got to execute. We need, we need all 11 guys doing their job every play. And, and, uh, but if we do that, I think we have a chance to be really good. Have, there, have you noticed any separation among the receivers? Um, we have five receivers that are all good players and all play all four of our receiver spots. And uh, they're really smart. Fessy's done a great job with those guys. And so the versatility we have with that group is as good as I've ever seen. Um, you know, there's not one guy, like I said, that just is necessarily the lead guy. But we got five guys we trust that we can count on. We can put them in the game anytime. And, and uh, I, I trust that they'll get the job done. You speak of BYU's history as far as being execution-based, and part of that execution was being able to rely on the tight end and have mismatches and take advantage of that, and that's been great for BYU over the years. Is Bushman ready to be that guy this year? Yeah, I think um, I'm, pro- I'm really proud of Matt because he got off to a slow start last season. Right. And um, some of that was – you know, he had to. He went through some growing pains in a new offense, and some of that was we didn't use him well enough. And so there's responsibility in both parts there. But the second half of last season, especially, I think he proved that he's definitely one of our best players. And, yeah. and um, so he's a huge part of what we're doing, and uh, we we want to get him the ball. You know, we want we want to get him the ball. Plus, he was a newlywed. Now he's not. <laughs> yeah. Now, now he's a little more squared away. <laughs> Now, I know you're not uh, specifically in charge of the running game, but how important is it to have a running game to augment, complement, lead the way, whatever you want to decide for the passing game? Well, it's huge. I mean, you, you look at the playoff teams in college football, or the, or the you know teams that win conference championships, or just really, really any of the teams that are double-digit win type teams. All those teams can run the ball, and they might. There's various ways to achieve that, but in this, it's hard nowadays to just just throw at every play. And I know. Uh, I do believe we're going to be a good passing team, but you've got to have a run game. Um, we're much better at running back than we were a year ago. That's probably the, the most improved position on our team. And um, our offensive linemen, most of those guys are back, and they've all gotten better. So we should be able to run the ball. So you have that tough schedule right off the bat, and really against any team that you play, you got to take care of the ball. How much of that has been an emphasis starting from the first game with the Utes? Yeah, I mean, you got to take care of the ball. I thought that was actually one thing we did well last year was, you know, we, we took good care of the ball, and, and for that reason we were in most of our games with a chance to win just on that alone. And uh, Utah's great at taking the ball away from people. It's, it's a huge emphasis in their program. I know that for a fact because all the years I was there, um, they've, they've just got so many explosive players, and, and 
and uh, they can they can create sacks, they can get interceptions. Uh, they, they they they're great at stripping the ball. They're they're just so tough on defense. So we have to take care of it and uh, and, and and you know stay in the game. Has the defense come to you and asked you to give you any give them any of Ludwig's secrets? Uh, no, I mean Andy's been so many places. I, I, but you worked with him. I did, but let me, what I respect so much about Andy is that he has scored a lot of points, doing a lot of different things at different schools. You know, when when, when we first started out at Utah, we were going to be an I formation, pro style team, and we quickly learned that Brian Johnson uh, and all those good wide receivers we had, we had great wide receivers. Um, we we became a spread team. Uh, by Brian Johnson's senior year, we were a totally different unit than we were the first year. And watching Andy lead the staff and adapt our offense was impressive, you know. And then he's done what he did at Wisconsin and Vanderbilt and San Diego State, and each each place had its own personality. And he's he's a great coach. So um, the only thing I know about him is he's going to find his best players and he's going to get the best players the ball doing what they do best. Uh, that could come in a lot of different ways. So you can't help then? No, I can't. I can't. I really can't because, uh, you know, who knows? They're, they're, they, got, they got good players, and Andy does a good job at, at getting them the ball. How about Zach as far as his ability to run? How much you anticipate that happening? Yeah, he's going to run, man. I mean, he, he's, that's part of his game, and I don't, I'm not going to uh, – you know, we don't want to be reckless and stupid about it, but him running the ball is – is part of how he plays the game, and uh, his mobility is a big part of the reason why he is the player he is. So uh, I don't want to rein him in too much. Um, we just want him to be smart. So design versus improvise? Yeah, there, I mean, there'll be some of both. And, okay. and uh, I definitely don't want him to not improvise when it's time to there's, you know, there's time. Because he showed plays. a little bit of that last year. Yeah. I just thought last year there were a few times he took unnecessary hits when it wasn't needed. Like, you know, he, he, You've already made a good run and got the first down, or something like that. But there's going to be times in the game where we got to we got to run him, and he's got to go make a play. Or there's times where you got to go go get a, go get the ball across the goal line, or, or or move the chains, and that's football, and we got to play. So in your mind, has BYU lost eight in a row to Utah or two in a row, or one? No, only one in a row. You've only been here last year was your first year, so it's only one for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, you know. What's funny is a, a year ago, I, I, I talked to the players about uh, about all of us. None of us are part of. No one, no one's responsible for. Eight, no one on their team's responsible for eight wins, and uh-huh. no one, no one here's responsible for eight losses. Uh, but this year, I think, I think it's okay for us just to have the mindset that it's time to, you know, it's time to accept that this is this is a slump, and we we got to fight. We got to fight. We got to come out and compete. Do you see an extra level of intensity early since that's the first game and that streak exists? Well, I mean, everybody's geeked to play their first game. Everybody. So I don't know if you can say it's extra. There's just it's, – it's, it's so hard to not be just so pumped for the first game of the season anyway. No matter. Yeah, I think, I think game one, if anything, you, you, you need to try to channel your emotion into execution and not be so – you know, pumped out of your mind that you're out there, you know, doing stupid things and making making unforced errors. We, we've got to focus and concentrate, and that's, that's the way you play offense. Thank you. A-Rod, Aaron Roderick with PK. It's a Cougars passing game coordinator right there. Got to get it going, man. I get their execution based, and they can break some plays through that execution, but they need some playmakers, man. 
They just do. Everybody does. It's nothing uh, particular to them. And they have more question marks in Utah, I think. But I think they have the ability to do it. It's a question of whether they do. I can't say, oh, for sure, player XYZ is going to do it. I, mean, I like Zach Wilson and what he brings, but I, I can't even say that I can, I'm just guaranteeing you he's going to do it. I like the fact they have a veteran experienced offensive line because that's important. And this Tyson Williams kid you know, is going to bring something to have some more options there at running back because you need to run the ball. You just can't throw the ball all the time. Zach can run around a little bit, but you know, I want to see him – I want to see him like Brandon did. Brandon can run around Doman, but you know he kept saying, "Hey, before I cross that line, my eyes are going to be up, and I want to be looking to throw the ball." There's big plays to be had there. I mean, you know, Taysom was his eyes were down, looking at his feet and thinking, "Yeah, thank the good Lord, <laughs> these are awesome." And he, I get it, man. He was he, looking five yards away at that linebacker. He was going to run around or run over. Yeah, I mean, he was a special breed. Right. They just don't make guys like that. But the, so he got the job done because he was awesome at that. But when you get outside the pocket, it gives receivers another second or two to get open. That's a big deal. Sometimes defensive backs are thinking, well, i got to come up because he's running, and that opens somebody up. So when you're looking for ways to make big plays, aside from just being taller, stronger, and faster than somebody, which is the best way, but you get in those scramble situations, you keep the eyes up, they're big plays to be had. What I don't want... It's for BYU's offense to be a joke. It is National Joke Day. (laughs) And that led to some awkward moments earlier in the show. Here's a chance. Get on our app. Crown yourself the best joke teller in the state of Utah. You got an hour and ten minutes. Brett says the real squares are in Wyoming and Colorado. Utah's a chip off the old block. (laughs) That's a joke. Ten of a joke is to make me laugh. Or not necessarily. It could just be, that's a joke. My mother used to say that all the time. It's a joke. So I say it a lot. Uh, TC Pip. DHCP, whatever. Okay. I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey, but I turned myself around. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uden AZ, my doctor told me today I was too sweet. Well, her exact words were severely diabetic, but I knew what she meant. (laughs) All right, National Joke Day. Use the open mic. Send us your take. I don't want to have to read all these. That's basically what it comes down to. You can tweet at us, though. David DJ James. Hit us up on Facebook. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on five. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Who was the fattest knight at King Arthur's Round Table? Answer, circumference. Why does the Norway Navy have barcodes on the sides of their ships so they can Scandinavian? DJ PK, it's National Joke Day. Go ahead. 
Share, people. Grab the phone, grab the app, use the open mic. DJ PK today brought to you by Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy. Come see Scotty and Hans at Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy in Draper Friday from noon to 3. Take advantage of all the Zone listener specials on cryotherapy, IV drips, hyperbaric oxygen treatment, and more. We just heard from A-Rod before that, Guy Holiday, talking to Uton Cougar assistant coaches here. And I think the big play stuff probably struck a chord with BYU fans. They will make big plays. They won't just overwhelm stuff, overwhelm teams with the, you know, having the, the first-round draft pick. Nikhil Harry was always a threat to make a big play. You often did. On every – I won't miss that guy. Every snap. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> But the whole, hey, we're going to move guys around, and when someone makes a mistake, you know, we can make a big play. And I know that makes people nervous. There are teams that do it. I mean, if you had to describe how Mike Leach did it at Washington State and Texas Tech, I mean, he's had a few NFL guys along the way. But I think that's why they throw the system thing out there. They are good at moving people around and creating opportunities. Deception they have on their pass routes, they have a lot of pass routes that look the same, and then they break off and do different things, and while you're trying to reacting, trying to react, the guy's running by you, and then you guys are out of position. We saw it with them last year. That's how they beat the Utes, but you're going to need some big plays against Utah. I just don't see very many teams being able to go 80 yards on these guys. You're going to need some 30, 40-yard plays. And the Cougars have it. Now, we know the Utes, historically, they make many mistakes off the field, but very few on. Clever. Especially this year. This, this Utah defense is going to be funny because they're going to be under such enormous pressure, man. We spent six months building them up as the greatest thing since whatever. So what happens when they give yeah. up 30 <laughs> points? Wait a yeah, minute. They give up some big plays. I mean, there's really nowhere to go for these guys but down. You can either meet it or... Not meet it, but you're not going to exceed it. It doesn't. I don't think so. <laughs> Shutouts every game. Yeah, I mean, so much hype for these guys it makes me a little nervous with the the outrageous hype that we go on and on. But the Cougars going to have enough firepower. The whole idea for these guys is to go two and two. That, that that's everything that matters is to find a way to be two and two. And if you're two and two, then you can get to eight and four. Then you're a success. And I don't care whether you beat Utah or not. Now, obviously, you want to. I get it. And I disagree with A-Rod to an extent on you can say that, well, yeah, none of these guys can, you know, we're here contributing to that streak. It doesn't matter. The streak is there. The streak has now become an issue. It's a thing. Yeah, it's got it a is. life of its own. It does. It absolutely Coaches it does, come and yeah. go. Players yeah. come and go. Right. We see situations like this, the streak. I think the Patriots, you know, the year they were undefeated. The streak took on a life of its own. Yeah. And you it get was that weighing Bowl, on them yeah. in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So you can say that, oh, well, it doesn't really matter, blah, 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 blah. But I think it does. We see it in, we haven't really seen it as much lately, but we used to see it in baseball with hitting streaks. Guys get up over 30 and it starts to be an issue. 
Well, now with all the strikeouts and hard, you know, people and they rest guys. Nobody's trying to get. It doesn't seem like anybody gets over twenty five. I don't just, know what they go. Yeah, just trying to hit a it's, home it's run. It's a different uh, game, but lead back off, when streaks yeah. were mattering, leadoff hitters included. You know, it it seemed like it was a big deal and and the pressure and all that stuff. So yes, I think this streak does have to a degree a life of its own, as you say. And it weighs on everybody because the fans, man, the fans are there. That's the thing about the fans. They were there for every one of them. The players and the coaches may change, but the fans don't. So that's the classic when you're Tom Homo and you go to the grocery store and you can't go to the grocery store because five minutes becomes 45 minutes because everybody wants to talk to you. And what do they mention? Right. The streak. The streak. And plus they see, are you going to sneak over and get Maxwell House too? That's a scandal. You know what I mean? No. Well, maybe. Can you guys even have O'Doul's? Is that is that okay? Avoid the very appearance of evil, PK. Come on. I don't know. I'm always attracted to the very appearance <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> of evil. So you avoid O'Doul's? I've had O'Doul's, though. <gasps> and what did Mama say? Uh, Mama Hatch is probably just finding out. Oh, man, geez. There's been a lot of revelations the last 24 hours around here. <laughs> About the world's worst thesaurus yesterday. Not only was it terrible, it was terrible. <laughs> how are a duck. It's all in the words. How are a duck and grass alike? They're both green, except for the duck. Thank you, Art. I didn't get that. National Joke Day. <laughs> Luca is on the open mic. How come Peter Pan is always flying? Because he never lands. Never lands. I get it. That's like a Michael Jackson thing. <laughs> See, never land. You get that? Did you get that? <laughs> All right, Steve, what do you have? Did you hear about the man who stole a calendar? Yeah, he got 12 months. <laughs> when does a joke become a dad joke? What? When the punchline becomes a parent. <laughs> I get it, a parent, a parent. Yeah, that's funny. All that's right. decent. That's for my daughter. She sent that in. Yeah, see, I'm, that's, that's, I've, been sharing, I've been sharing the best of your work on the, on the family group text there. You are entertaining the masses <laughs> and the Snickledorfs, so that's important. All right, when we come back, big plays. Utah and BYU both need them. They both need them from receivers. Receivers who might, underline might, be making those big plays. Gunnar Romney, BYU, Jalen Dixon, Utah. Coming up, stay with us.